0: All right, we are live. The Supreme Court has been releasing huge decisions weekly for the past month. A few weeks ago, it was a big decision on guns, last week, abortion. And now, just this morning, the Supreme Court took a sledgehammer to the power of the EPA to regulate carbon dioxide emissions. Also, the left, uh, in response, is having a collective meltdown. We're going to talk about this and more in episode 352 of the In the Tank podcast. Welcome to the In the Tank podcast. As always, I am your host, Donald Kendall, and we've got a full boat joining us today. As seemingly always, I have Jim Lakeley, VP of the Heartland Institute, who was driving down the road on January 6th when out of nowhere, Donald Trump jumps on the hood of his car, headbutts a hole through the windshield before turning into liquid metal and oozing into the passenger seat, demanding to be taken to the Capitol. Jim, one, how are you doing? And two, are you willing to testify in front of Congress?
1: I am not willing to testify in front of Congress. They'll have to subpoena me and drag me out of my house to get to to go there because they work for me. I don't work for them, by the way. But how could you not be in a good mood today? (laughs) How could you not be in a good mood? Oh, happy day. Uh, The left is calling this the MAGA Supreme Court and MAGA stands for Make America Great Again. And the Trump court, here he is. Oh, no. Oh, Uh, no. By by fighting Trump. Yes. Yes. He has made. I thought
0: he was trying to hijack the podcast
1: now. Oh, my gosh. There he goes. He's going to come in with his hands out. There he goes. No, I mean, it's a make America. Yeah, it is a MAGA court. It's a make America great again. Trump Supreme Court. And the hits just keep on coming. And here's some bad news for the left. This is going to be Trump's MAGA court. For at least another two to three
0: decades. So we're just getting started, folks. Oh, my goodness. Chris Talgo, Senior Editor
2: at the Heartland Institute. How are you today? Good, sir. Doing good. And I just want to uh, uh, echo Jim's sentiments that this is just the beginning, Donnie. We are going to have a long, long, glorious record of Supreme Court decisions that are Actually, based on the Constitution, instead of based on the feelings and emotions of the Supreme Court justices. So I think this is, you know, just glorious. We're, we're
0: high energy today. This is a very interesting change of pace. Also joining us, Sam Karnick, director of publications at the Heartland Institute. Keep that energy level going. Oh, and he didn't unmute himself. I warned him not to do that. This <laughs> that is unbelievable. Suggest- that's okay.
3: Actually, I'm, I am a very happy fellow today, Donald. Uh, it's it's really uh, delightful to see the uh, consequences of the right trying to fight back and not just say, "Okay, we want to uh, be loved by the New York Times." Never going to happen. Rather, just win. All
0: right. And a special guest for this episode, because of the momentous occasion, we have Steve Malloy, a member of the Heartland Board of Directors and creator and publisher of JunkScience.com. Steve, thank you for being on with us.
4: Well, thanks for having me. I'm very excited today, too. Uh Supreme Court today uh, did the right thing, and as someone who was in the room when this lawsuit was hatched, mm. uh, I'm uh, very pleased to see it, although it's taken seven years.
0: Oh, wow. Seven years. I was going to ask about how long this has taken to kind of work its way through the system here. Seven years is the answer. Uh, before we get going, because we do have a lot to talk about today, I do want to put that message out there that I put at the beginning of all, every episode of the In the Tank podcast for mostly the audio only listeners that are probably catching the show on a Friday. You could join us live. The video version of the show on Thursdays at noon central time will be streaming on Facebook and YouTube and Rumble and Twitter and pretty much anywhere else that will Uh, allow video streaming. So you can join in the conversation. You can put your comments and your questions in there. Maybe we'll show your comments on the screen. Uh, Maybe we'll address your questions on the fly. And lastly, Uh, We did create a separate channel for this podcast, the In the Tank podcast channel on YouTube, because after a couple of episodes where we're talking about COVID and like, uh, YouTube threatened to destroy our main channel. So in an effort not to self-censor ourselves, we created a separate channel for the In the Tank podcast. So if you don't see the show coming up on the Heartland Institute one, it's because it's going to be too controversial and we're going to have it specifically on there. So don't miss an episode and make sure to subscribe to that separate channel. So like I said, uh, we've got a lot to get into today, a lot of Supreme Court stuff. So let's get right into the main topic. Usually we start some opening chit chat, but if we have time, we'll save that for the end. So in a stunning change of pace, important news broke before our podcast. (laughs) Usually big things happen right after we finish or on the Friday after. So, uh, you know, thankfully this one came right before it. So just one more thing to be appreciative of, of the Supreme Court. But seriously, just announced this morning, the Supreme Court ruled on the case of West Virginia versus the EPA. The decision effectively strips the EPA of the power to regulate CO2 emissions without congressional approval, prevents the EPA from unilaterally passing regulations that require a complete overhaul of the entire economy, and the decision, in the words of the literary and academic uh, juggernaut, Gizmodo, effed the planet. (laughs) <laughs> so, Jim, uh, I want to get into the the weeds a little bit of this topic um, in, in a little bit. So don't don't go too far in depth in this in this first question that I have for you. But uh, I want to establish the kind of the magnitude of this decision. So talking with you over the past couple of days, you said you suggested that this ruling uh, would be bigger uh, in, in terms of the ramifications than even some of the other rulings that we've seen in the past couple of weeks. Do you stand by these words?
1: I mostly stand by those words. Um, And and Steve Malloy is going to uh, pour a little cold water on my excitement on this, as he's already done in the chat all morning. But uh, look, I said that this could be a bigger decision and, uh, and and more important for liberty and to restrict the power of the executive um, uh, the executive agencies to basically make up law as they go along and enforce it upon the public with no debate, with no with no uh, statutes passed by Congress and signed by the president. And this EPA this West Virginia versus EPA case was one of those cases where West Virginia and coal companies and the state of North Dakota sued the Environmental Protection Agency, saying it doesn't have, it just declared for itself, it took its for, for itself the power to regulate carbon dioxide emissions out of power plants. And that was obviously crippling uh, coal-fired power plants, natural gas for that matter, basically anything other than the unworkable solar and wind, and, and nuke is uh, included in that as well. And so I was hoping for a decision in which the Supreme Court would say that, no, EPA, you're not allowed to just declare Uh, the ability to regulate carbon dioxide just because you state falsely that carbon dioxide is a pollutant and under the Clean Air Act, we're allowed to regulate pollution. Uh, The EPA uh, smashed that with with a sledgehammer. They could have gone farther, but uh, I still think even in this Uh, I guess what I would after talking to Steve Malloy, what I would classify as maybe a 78 percent or an 87 percent victory on these on these issues. That's still plenty. And as we said at the top of the show, this Trump court is going to be able to uh, revisit these issues for decades to come. And they just need another opportunity maybe
0: to do it. Well, so I want to like kind of we've got plenty of time here, so I kind of want to slowly walk through all of this stuff because this is a little, you know, when it gets to uh, the Supreme Court rulings and this case and the precedents and all of that, it's a little out of my wheelhouse. If We want to talk about why, like, you know, solar panels and wind turbines aren't great at collecting energy. I can talk all day, but this is a little bit out of my wheelhouse. So I want to kind of walk through it a little bit. That's why I'm very glad to have Steve Malloy, who said he was in the room when that court case was originally hatched. So Steve, let's start off with just some of the basic stuff. Uh, Like when, when did the EPA kind of take this responsibility to regulate CO2? Like how, how far does that date back?
4: Well, it dates back to about 2009. Um, Actually even further than that, uh, the Clinton EPA had written a memo uh, fantasizing about how had it had authority to regulate greenhouse gases in 1998. Uh, it got some of its allies to petition EPA. Eventually, the petition wound up at the Supreme Court. In 2007, the Massachusetts, the EPA case held that EPA had the authority to regulate greenhouse gases. That was a five to four decision with Anthony Kennedy, supposedly a conservative, siding with uh, you know, the, the leftist judges. And uh, so this happened right at the end of the uh, Bush administration. And when the Obama administration took over, EPA hit the ground running. Mm. Uh, one of the first things they did was issue their so-called endangerment finding, uh, claiming that CO2 emissions and greenhouse gas emissions were destroying the planet. And they've been off to the races ever since. Um, you know, they have issued CO2 regulations to uh, regulate uh, fuel economy uh but the ones that we're talking about now were aimed at coal plants and as you know, they had a much larger um, war on coal agenda this clean power plan that was ruled illegal today was part of that it was the last uh regulation under the in the war on coal that EPA issued and it's the one that was supposed to cut emissions from coal plants by 30 percent by 2030. Um and the problem the problem with all this is that Congress had never has never authorized EPA uh to regulate greenhouse gases. Um I have video of John Dingell, who uh is a co author of the Clean Air Act, a you know Democrat uh he's 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 uh, deceased now, but he was a huge Democrat. And I've got a tape of him at a hearing saying that, you know, we purposely did not want to um Want, did not want EPA to regulate greenhouse gases. And, and and you know, the, we left it out of the Clean Air Act on purpose. And we never imagined that a Supreme Court, his word, would be so stupid as to allow EPA to regulate greenhouse gases. So mm. that's how we got to where we are.
0: So, uh, uh, Sam, it, I know that there's a, the concept of kind of like mission creep when it comes to any of these agencies, these alphabet agencies. Um, it, was that just kind of like, uh, just kind of the natural effect of the the EPA just all right, we're regulating pollution. Now we're going to consider CO2 pollution. So we got to regulate that. Or is there something a little bit more kind of insidious kind of going on behind
3: this, in your opinion? There is something a bit more. What really happens there is that as you allow the uh, the agencies to do more, guess what? They do more, and then they do more, and then they do more. And this all comes from the, the court over the years Uh, deciding things based on the policy rather than the Constitution and the way the rules are set up. So what the court would say is, hey, this sounds like a really good policy. Let's have some of that. (laughs) And it's not under the Constitution. There's no authority to do it. Well, what do you think the executive branch is going to do when that happens? And what do you think Congress is going to do when that happens? Congress is going to say, well, let's write up uh, an ambiguous law, because if we write up the specifics, some people will get angry at us and they'll, they'll send money to uh, the people who are running against us. Mm. And, if we, uh, and if we, But if we don't get very specific, if we just say, oh, just regulate, go ahead and do what you need to do, and the court goes along with it, well, you're going to get a bigger and thicker web of regulations across this land as we now have.
0: So, Chris, when it comes to the EPA uh, and the and the power that they wield, I mean, it seems like we're getting a little bit far from the actual protecting of the environment thing that I think was the original reasoning for <laughs> for the department. Uh, what are your What are your thoughts of kind of the EPA
2: pre this ruling? I think the EPA has been uh, out of control for decades, and. Uh, I think this this particular case is extremely significant because unlike the uh, other cases that the court handed down earlier this week, they were uh, very tailored to specific issues, and I think that this uh, ruling sets you know the stage for the court to uh, radically push back against the uh, executive agencies run amok for for decades now. EPA being just you know one example of many. And you know, like Steve and Sam and Jim have already uh, you know said, Congress has uh, been derelict in its duty. I I would say for a very long time by passing these incredibly vague laws, and then saying, "Well, okay, now the uh, the uh, uh, executive agencies will have the powers to implement these laws." And that's not the way that you know our system was set up. Congress was supposed to make the tough decisions and the difficult calls. They were not supposed to pass super vague laws that they could then say, OK, we did our job. Now it's up to the executive agencies to uh, actually, uh, you know, enact, you know, these these laws. So I think this is going to have uh, ramifications, you know, far and wide. And I think that it's you know, a great uh, ruling if you are in uh, favor of limited government and actually in favor of uh, separation of powers and Congress actually doing its job. So I am just ecstatic.
0: Well, Jim, what is the, you know, I, I know that we're, we're talking about the EPA kind of uh, grasping beyond their original kind of uh, guidelines of what they were supposed to do. But what is that? What is the power of the EPA? Like, you know, we talk about the different pieces of legislation that are being proposed, uh, the, the Green New Deal, some new uh, standards for vehicle emissions and that type of stuff. But like, what, what does the actual EPA do, though?
1: Well, the EPA is actually one of the most, if you want to look at it in the most positive light, and I mentioned this on another, a couple other podcasts, the EPA has fulfilled its mission. It has, you know, we have the, we have clean water, we have clean air. Um, you know, when it was enacted, when, uh, when Richard Nixon created the EPA, I believe it was 1972, we had some serious uh, problems in our streams and lakes and in our air and in our ground. And the EPA was established in the Clean Air Act and another um other legislation passed by Congress to clean up our environment was put, the EPA was put in charge of making sure that that was carried out and they succeeded. Um, But of course, no agency ever wants to go out of business. So they pretend that carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases are pollution and think that they can regulate them. But what's what's great about this decision, and I think I'm going to try to cheer uh, Steve Malloy up. He's feeling a little under the weather, uh, but he's he's so buoyed by this great news, even though he doesn't 100 percent like it as much as me, that he uh, (laughs) that he's on our podcast today. But this decision, uh, it's it's pretty sweeping. Um, this is and this this decision by the way was written by uh John Roberts who is not necess- is not really known for writing such sweeping decisions. He's always Mr. Half a loaf. I would, you know, maybe a quarter of a loaf. He's always just trying to make a compromise with the administrative state and the left. The Obamacare decision, of course, is the most egregious example. But he wrote in his majority decision that capping carbon dioxide emissions at a level that will force a nationwide transition away from the use of coal to generate electricity may be a sensible solution to the crisis of the day. But it is not plausible that Congress gave EPA the authority to adopt on its own such a regulatory scheme. A decision of such magnitude and consequence rests with Congress itself or an agency acting pursuant to a clear delegation from that representative body. The judgment of the Court of Appeals for District of Columbia is reversed in the case of remanded for further proceedings consistent with this opinion. So basically, as Sam Carnick had mentioned earlier, this is a fantastic day for the rule of law and for a constitution that actually means something. That, that that federal agencies cannot just declare on their own a problem that we need to solve, no matter how many people say they need to do it. Such things, major questions, as they say, need to be decided in Congress. A president has to sign a bill uh, codifying that into law. And only then, can a federal agency carry out that mission? So this may have, you know, this was not, this didn't smash the Chevron doctrine, which we may not get into. It's, um, but you know, but it did establish for right now, and this may have ramifications for the future, not just for the EPA, but for other federal agencies that want to declare for themselves the power to regulate our lives. And there was no more important test case than with the EPA because if you can, they, they were basically going to shut down coal-fired power plants in this country like they're doing all over all over in Europe. You know, they're, they're already shutting down right now because of the regulations of the Environmental Protection Agency. And the Supreme Court just told them, you can't do that anymore. That is an enormous victory for the rule of law and at a real neutering of the administrative
0: state. So, Steve, this is all based off of this West Virginia versus EPA case. What exactly did the, you know, what what caused that suit to be brought by the state of West Virginia?
4: Uh, well, EPA, under the Obama you know, Clean Power Plan, uh, imagined itself uh, that it had the authority to uh, basically control the electric, electricity grid in America by controlling uh, what coal plant, coal plant activity, you know, on a, on a general basis, hmm. um, not like within specific coal plants, but just issue regulations for all coal plants. And, of course, um, Congress never authorized uh, any of that activity. So today's decision basically acknowledged that reality that EPA was never granted the authority to regulate all coal plants in America generally through uh, the Clean Power Plan. And so, you know, that part of this ruling um, is is a tremendous victory, no question. I mean, you wondered like why we even have to go through this because uh, everybody knows there was no congressional authorization for EPA to regulate coal plants, but somehow for the last seven years we've been under these bogus set of rules i mean there've been some couple you know some bumps along the way with the trump administration but basically these rules have lasted now for 7 years and it's just why do we have to litigate this stuff
0: it's obvious so uh, let's, sam question for you um, i've heard it mentioned a few times now in the descriptions here without congressional direct co- congressional like dictate right that they're they're trying to uh, govern regulate co2 emissions so uh, I guess a simple question would be, um, can't Congress just specifically grant them permission to do this?
3: <laughs> what do you think? They, yes, they can, Donnie, and they didn't. And the 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 uh, Roberts uh, writing in the decision made it very clear that they didn't do that. And that seems to have been Roberts's real uh, objection here. And the thing on which he's pinning pretty much everything, which is that Congress could have done it. They have actually debated this in the past and said, no thanks, and they didn't do it. So the, the fact is Congress can do it. Congress is the place that should do it. Uh, you know, what our constitution really does is, is it gives every, each branch of government veto power over things so that nothing bad would get done. <laughs> because if the if the Congress passes a bill that is is not uh, is not under its enumerated powers in the Constitution, meaning the the powers that it's given explicitly in the Constitution, if Congress passes such a law, the President is there to veto it. He's supposed to. That's his job. He's not he's not supposed to execute laws that are not constitutional. He takes an oath not to do that. And then if that fails, then the Supreme Court is there to say, no, you are not to enforce this law because it is not under the powers granted Congress in the Constitution. Now, there's a question of whether the states should uh, have the right or do have the right to nullify laws. Um, that has always been, the answer's always been no. But the reality is that what this was meant to do was, was say that if anything is going to be done on the national level, all three branches of government have to agree on it. If, mm. if anyone doesn't agree, then it doesn't happen. So what, what this uh, decision does do, I don't think it's as extensive as uh, it may be characterized uh, in, uh, by some people. I don't think it's that extensive. Uh, I think Roberts was very careful to include his usual weasel words and things like that. However, it is extremely important in that it builds on top of the other decisions of this court in the past month, all of which move toward an, an acceptance of the notion that the Congress has lawmaking ability that is limited and that it is up to the president and the court to ensure that Congress does not overstep its bounds. It is also up to the court to ensure that the, that the, the president doesn't overstep his bounds, uh, as we saw in this case, the executive branch being reined in. These are good things, but these are just the beginning. They're the start of the show. They're the overture.
0: Well, Chris, I mean, uh, I I would I would usually be interested to know like what the CNN and and MSNBCs of the world are uh, reacting to this. And you're always the guy that watches those so that I don't have to. Now, granted, this. Decision just came down a couple of hours ago, so I don't suspect that you were on CNN watching the talking heads respond to this. But have you gleamed any type of uh, reaction from the left uh, as it relates to this and you know the potential of them trying to just force through a piece of legislation that would specifically say that uh, the the EPA should be in charge of regulating CO2? Have you heard anything like that?
2: Well, I think one of the main reasons that Congress has not allowed the EPA to regulate CO2 is because you actually have to get 60 votes in the Senate to do that. Mm-hmm. And as we've seen, you know, in many, many uh, you know, years, it's very difficult for the Senate to agree on much of anything, which is actually the way our our government system was supposed to be. So now uh, one of the things that I've noticed is uh, we are seeing a, a new uh, chorus from uh, the left that we should just abandon the filibuster or that we should mm-hmm. abandon the filibuster for certain issues, whether those issues are climate change related or abortion related or gun rights related or election rights related. What they're saying now, and actually the uh, President Biden, you know basically advocated for this, that this that the uh, Senate should uh, you know circumvent the filibuster in these sorts of situations. So I, I wonder if this is going to, uh, you know, put, you know, put that uh, issue back in the uh, spotlight here. But I, I still think that the American people are you know, behind the Supreme Court's, uh, you know, philosophy here that, hey, you know what? Congress makes laws. Hey, the Supreme Court, the Supreme Court should not just, you know, uh, you know, uh, invent rights. And also we should abide by the Constitution. So you know I, I'm I'm very excited for uh, how this uh, Supreme Court, uh, as it's currently constructed, is going to uh, you know rule on these issues for the foreseeable future. And yes, you know I agree with Steve and I agree with Jim that this was not an all-encompassing ruling, but I think that it's it 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 shows that the Supreme Court is on on a different track than what we've seen, at least what I've seen. Throughout my lifetime, where it was always making rulings that, uh, you know, were were based on uh, outcomes. And now it's based uh, based on uh, philosophy hmm. and it's based on principle and it's based on what the text of the Constitution actually says. So I what? think that that's yeah, no, I know. That's, that's I know it's a new
0: concept to me.
3: I don't know. Chris brings up an important point about the reaction to this and to the whole month's worth of decisions, which is that the left invariably uh, questions the legitimacy of any uh, organization or institution it doesn't have control over.
0: Oh, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Sam. Don't don't, don't you worry. We'll get to that. But but Jim, uh, take this opportunity as uh, as your as your time to do it. Any big victory lap you want to do in, in regards to this? Because I am going to go to Steve next about uh, why it doesn't go far enough. So, I mean, this this does seem huge. I mean, the CO2 regulation is like the cornerstone, the entire foundation of all the action that they're trying to do to pursue all this climate change nonsense. So have at it, Jim.
1: Yeah, well, I, I'll just say that, you know, again, the language, not just of Robert's, uh, you know, uh, majority opinion, but also the um, the concurrence, especially by Gorsuch, is really good reading. Uh, so enjoy your, it's something you can enjoy all weekend, all the way through J- July 4th, Independence <laughs> Day, because we actually are a little bit more uh, like the, the, the country of our founders today than we were last month or even yesterday. Uh, but I, you know what? I, I never thought, I'm 51 years old, I never thought I'd live long enough to see a court like this. Hmm. Not after Republican after Republican nominee, you know, went native and you know didn't rule as an originalist like they said they were going to but instead decided to legislate from the bench um but you know just this month you know you don't get uh you know you can't just invent the court has said you can't just invent a right to abortion and making each state ask the court's permission for uh for any laws they have that may restrict it in any way um they decided that the right to bear arms means the right to bear arms in order to have them on your person outside of the home uh that was the that was the new york gun law case. And now we have this where the Supreme Court is telling um it's basically putting every federal agency, uh the administrative state, which is all on the left. We all know that. You know, that, that it's called the deep state for a reason. These are permanent, this is the permanent bureaucracy that um, are dominated by leftists and they guess what? You're not allowed to just invent policy and law anymore, because, you know, the declarations of these agencies have the force of law, which is why you see these lawsuits and they go all the way to Supreme Court to overturn what is essentially law as decreed by an unelectable, uh, unelected federal bureaucracy. And so now we have the Supreme Court putting all of these agencies on notice that you're just that the, the, the days of doing that basically carte blanche with no checks at all on your power are over. And so this is just the beginning. And so I, I I never thought I'd live to, Frankly, I just never thought I'd live to see this. I never thought I'd live to see a Supreme Court, not just once or twice, but now like for four decisions, <laughs> five decisions in a row, um, actually get us back to a representative constitutional republic and not uh, a society ruled by our elites.
0: So Steve, why it, it, in
1: Johnny, Europe- Johnny.
2: Just go ahead, go ahead. I, I'm sorry, just real quick before Steve, uh, you know, gives the uh, negative side of this. I, I, I you know, <laughs> he I rants I do, on our parade. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Before he rants on our parade. I, I do want to just say one thing that the, uh, you know, the left has been very good about incrementally uh, pushing, uh you know, their agenda over the yeah. years. And I think that we are now starting to see the reverse of that, where now the the right is actually incrementally uh, pushing back against their agenda. And uh, it's I, 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 I'm not. I, I'm not, you know, disappointed that they didn't just, you know, completely, you know, like overhaul, uh, you know, the EPA's decisions. But the fact that we're actually now pushing, you know, in the right direction to me is is something to celebrate. So, Steve, rain on the
0: parade. Why is this uh, in Jim's <laughs> well, in Jim's terminology only 80 percent of the way there and not 100 yeah, percent of the way? there? I don't really want to
4: rain on the parade, and I love all the positivity. <laughs> but the reality is, and you know, it's really great that the court said today, yes. EPA can only do things that are authorized by Congress. Okay, everybody agrees on that. I don't. I don't even know why this is an issue at the Supreme Court, because it's just it's axiomatic. It's just obviously true. Um, but what the court did was they left hanging this 2007 decision, Massachusetts versus EPA, which allowed EPA to get into the global warming business to start with.
3: Mm.
4: Now everyone agrees there's no part of the Clean Air Act. That says EPA can regulate greenhouse gases. There's just no part of that, and I've got you know John Dingell on tape saying that they never intended that to happen. Well, so Massachusetts v. EPA is this court given right to EPA to regulate greenhouse gases, but you know the Supreme Court is not Congress, and this decision says only Congress can authorize EPA to act. So, uh, EPA's got all these. So, today's rule covers EPA regulation of uh, coal plants. Fantastic. You know, uh, uh, EPA was never authorized to do that. But EPA and the Biden EPA has just issued new fuel economy standards based on greenhouse gas emissions, uh, for example. And, and that was authorized through Massachusetts v. EPA, but not Congress. So, You know, they could what what the court should have done today is go back to Massachusetts, the EPA and vaporize that decision and vaporize all EPA's ability to regulate greenhouse gases. You know, and and I'm surprised they didn't because I'm pretty sure that, you know, in in the Dobbs case, uh, I'm not sure that I could be wrong, but I'm not sure that Mississippi asked the court to overturn Roe and Casey. Mm. Uh, It probably just asked the court to uphold its statute. That's and right. Congress overruled, expressly overruled. I mean, it went out of its way and overruled Roe and Casey. Didn't have to do that. Could have just said, Mississippi, your, your case is, your your law is solid. Hmm. But in this case, it didn't go back to Massachusetts, the EPA, which is the Roe versus Wade of global warming. When it comes to the EPA, you know, they just sort of narrowly ruled that, you know, this particular uh, EPA um, exercise of authority was not authorized by Congress. So therefore it's vanquished. But. But other EPA um, greenhouse gas regulations that are not authorized by Congress are, are, are out there hanging. Now, there's litigation before the court, or not before the Supreme Court, but in the courts about EPA's other authorities. So maybe they'll all be, you know, uh, swept aside as well. But I think that the court today missed an opportunity, as great as this ruling is, and it's a fantastic ruling, don't get me wrong, as great as this ruling is, it, it it could have gone a little bit further and and logically gone farther. Not you know not not a reach. Um, if if Roe and Casey were gone, then Massachusetts EPA should have been
0: vaporized as well. Jim, I saw a comment that you left on Slack in regards to I think it was uh, Representative Ilan Omar's claim that uh, today's decision is going to open the floodgates or I guess prevent this uh, EPA from being able to regulate anything like even if it's like toxic material and stuff like that. I, you said wrong or something. Like, <laughs> like well, I, 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 I,
1: I, she, she tweeted. She says this ruling not only flies in the face of the letter of the law, but base, but of basic morality. The reasoning risks eliminating dozens of regulations that keep our water safe, protect us from heat. And protect us from heat and toxic chemicals. And I just I, I started on our Slack thread saying, "LOL, no, it doesn't." <laughs> First of all, uh, you know, controlling CO2 does not mean you get to control the weather, as uh, as Steve Malloy has has said on Twitter. And you must follow Junk Science on Twitter; it's one of the best Twitter accounts out there. But yeah, you you could you could eliminate CO2 emissions from the United States right now. Boom, just like that. If you do it by magic, it wouldn't affect the weather in 100 years anyway. So it doesn't it doesn't matter. But the idea that this ruling. Um, Will will disallow the EPA to protect us from heat is just it's, it's it's hilarious and but it's also as Steve was just pointing out in the lar- in the larger scheme of things it is a rather narrow ruling guess what the EPA does get to regulate toxic chemicals they do get to keep our water safe that's their that's their mandate that's their mission they get to do that they just don't get to uh, to treat uh, carbon dioxide coming out of power plants as a pollutant because it isn't and as uh, as i'm sure steve and others on this podcast could tell you yes 50 years ago 40 years ago even 30 years ago the actual pollution coming out of the uh coming out of our coal fired power plants was greater than it is today that was the epa's doing they made sure that the, we got better scrubbers on those on uh, on those exhaust uh smokestacks. They're not smokestacks I and mean, CO2 is coming out, but you know, it has to emit something it has to emit because we're, we're burning coal to turn generators. So there's going to be an emission from that, but EPA helped us clean that up. You know, the actual pollution coming out of these, these power plants is, is so small compared to, it was just a couple of decades ago. Uh, but carbon dioxide again, is not a pollutant, so you don't get to regulate it. So, you know, the idea that this is completely, uh, you know, kneecaps EPA is wrong. Uh, it, it does kneecap its extreme overreach and uh, declaration of you know, its own power. Yeah. And that's a good thing. And if Congress wants to do that, if Congress wants to regulate carbon dioxide emissions at our power plants, they are welcome to to vote on a bill that would do that. And in fact, every time a, a so-called cap and trade system comes up for a vote in Congress, it fails. Even when Democrats have pretty solid majorities, why? Because it would ultimately cripple the economy. So, so the left has been able to lean on and depend on radical leftists who are who are who populate the EPA to carry out their agenda—an agenda that was never voted on, an agenda that was never passed, an agenda that is against the will of the American people, as as expressed through uh, our representative uh, republic those kind those days are, are that's what I that's why I'm a little bit more uh, uh optimistic about this maybe than than uh, than Steve is i mean i think they, they, they there there will be other opportunities to get to to get to massachusetts via epa but you know this basically lays down the marker that uh no, the left you don't get to just go to the deep state and have them implement your policies anymore you got to actually earn them the hard way you got you have to get laws passed jim's filibuster filibuster i'm sorry
3: uh, aoc's uh, comment is emblematic of the react of the response To court decisions since uh, FDR uh, 85 years ago. So for the past 85 years, anytime the court was making a decision, uh, people would go go into the run-up of that decision saying, wah, 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 if you do this, this will happen, boo-hoo. And the court always said, generally said, oh, okay, you can have your way. You get to rule, you get to decide, even though it's just entirely unconstitutional. What happened in the month of June 2022 was unique in that the court said uh, it was like Larry Bird when one of his players was complaining when he was president of the Indiana Pacers. He says he don't get to decide things around here. And that's what the court said this month. Now, they they, they didn't decide 100% great on everything, but, boy, they decided, and that is good in itself. Chris, I want to come to you next. So I don't know if you've seen
0: this, but in the dissenting opinion written by Justice Kagan, she argued, quote, that members of Congress often don't know enough to regulate sensibly on an issue. So basically, she's saying that the EPA knows more about this stuff, so they should be allowed to do whatever they deem necessary. I mean, that seems like a pretty frightening precedent to set, you know, if she did get her way. It's like, nah, elected officials are too dumb to govern. We'll just let the administrative state do it. Uh, And am I building a straw man argument here? Or is this essentially what Kagan is saying? What do you think?
2: No, I I think that that is so uh, symbolic of their uh, mentality that we should just trust the experts. And I think that uh, the experts have done a a horrible job of, uh, you know, imparting their expertise over, uh, you know, agencies for the, you know, for a very long time. I I think that Congress, you know, obviously they're not, they're not experts on every single, uh, you know, item that they legislate. However, they are supposed to use common sense and they're supposed to, uh, you know, look at the Constitution as the guiding light for what the government is not is not supposed to do. And, you know, I think, you know, over you know the past hundred years or so, ever since uh, you know the Progressive era really uh, you know came into being, we have we we have forgotten the fact that Congress is supposed to, you know, make the laws and and Congress is supposed to uh, you know, pass pass the laws, and the the Supreme Court is supposed to rule on the constitutionality of those laws. And we have gotten into this bad habit of allowing Congress to pass, you know, very vague laws and then allowing these executive agencies to come in and say, don't worry, we'll take care of this. Just trust us, trust us, trust us. And they have not, you know, uh, been trustworthy. And I think the American people are sick and tired of that. I think this really is, you know, symbolic of the uh, Donald Trump election in 2016, where he, you know, was, Uh, running against the deep state and he was running against the swamp and he was running against you know an out of control EPA and out of control SEC and so on and so forth and I think that the American people are just flat out sick and tired of this and they are not going to buy into the fear-mongering that people like Elon Omar, AOC, Maxine Waters, Joe Biden, Kamala Harris are trying to inflict upon them by saying, oh, my gosh, the Supreme Court is, you know, taking away your rights. And oh, my gosh, the Supreme Court is, you know, going to allow climate change, you know, to become an existential threat. I, I I strongly believe that the American people see through that. And I think that this is going to uh, be the norm for, you know, for, for the foreseeable future. And I'm very, very glad about that.
0: Yeah, I, I don't get justice kagan's remarks there like you know couldn't uh, experts from the epa just send some of their people to go talk to lawmakers and say hey you need to allow us to do this and if the lawmakers agree they can i don't know pass a law like it just seems like a pretty <laughs> a pretty simple system that we got going here the idea of like well they're, they got the legislators got too much on their plate. We can't bog them down with important stuff. We'll just allow agencies to run wild. Like, it just seems like a really silly thing to argue in favor. Of. Why is it
3: that the EPA is more knowledgeable than the market and human beings? I don't, I don't buy it at all. What mm-hmm. happened here was that she was actually alluding to the great Friedrich Hayek and the knowledge problem where he said that socialism doesn't work mm-hmm. Because the government can't have sufficient knowledge to make the decisions that the market can through the price mechanism. Uh, Hayek was, of course, right. So uh, Kagan says, well, Congress doesn't have sufficient knowledge. So we'll give it to another branch of government, one that is completely, completely inaccessible that nobody can have any effect on. Again, uh, the court just said, hey, you don't get to decide things around here.
2: You know. And you know one other thing is uh, the the bureaucrats at the EPA they don't have to uh, answer to anybody, but Congress does, and that's the way our, our system was uh, supposed to be set up, so that the people every two years in the in the House and every six years in the Senate and every four years in the executive branch could say, hey, we agree with this or hey, we don't agree with this. But the fact that uh, Congress has basically said, okay, fine, we'll just you know put put the, the responsibility on the executive agencies, it, it allows them to not take responsibility for the actions, which they should take responsibility for. Yeah. You know, I
0: want to get into the the left's kind of response to this in terms of the Supreme court, but I am curious about just like what is their next step for when it comes to all of their climate change agenda stuff that they've been trying to push. Uh, Steve, do you have any uh, thoughts on that?
4: Yeah. I mean, this is going to be a repeat of the Obama administration. You know, they, Obama was frustrated uh, in 2009 and 2010 with cap and trade. So he went to EPA and EPA launched its uh, war on coal. And, you know, the regulations that actually crippled the coal industry were uh, the PM 2.5 related regulations, cross state air pollution rule and mercury air transport standard. Uh, neither of which had anything to do with greenhouse gases. Uh, and, and so that's what Obama is going to do. or uh, I'm sorry, Biden's going to do now. And we actually have a lawsuit. In federal court right now, aiming to stop that. But I wanted to say just two things about as far as you know what Kagan said about EPA and Congress. EPA's got a whole division of congressional relations. They send people up to the Hill all the time. I mean, the problem is is that EPA doesn't know what it's talking about, and the people in Hill don't know. So I mean, that's just it's, it's a hopeless process. <laughs> uh, but the second thing, and one thing we haven't mentioned, and I think this is the most important part of all this. You know, there are tens of thousands of coal miners. Their families. Their communities, um, investors, states who have all been severely harmed by what EPA did, and what EPA did, the Supreme Court today said was illegal. Okay, so here we have billions and billions and billions of dollars, and and you know, uh, societal harm, personal harm, medical problems caused by illegal federal agency action what you know where do these people go to recoup their losses how, how do we address that i mean this is this was not you know good faith behavior uh, on the part of epa everybody knew epa did not have legislative authority it was just wrong and these people have been harmed and they've been screwed
0: yeah no that's that's uh that's a very good point yeah i don't, I don't know what will Go ahead, Jim. I don't know what will result about that. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah.
1: Jim. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a fantastic point, Steve. And also, again, go to follow at Junk Science on Twitter because uh, Steve's been, uh, despite his uh, <laughs> his illness, uh, not feeling good today, still tweeting like crazy when he has the energy. And you you had a tweet about an hour ago, Steve, where it said uh, you it was a Washington Post story and you said EPA to ignore SCOTUS decision. <laughs> EPA spokesman Abdullah Hassan says, quote, our lawyer, our our lawyer. eh our lawyers will study the ruling carefully and we will find ways to move forward under federal law. And then you comment, there's no federal law allowing EPA to regulate greenhouse gas emissions. That's today's holding. And I'd responded to you on Twitter. So continued lawfare. It is then, except this time the eco left is finally on defense. And I think that's, you know, I think that's extremely profound because I wrote it, but I think that's, I think that's one of the great things about this decision and all the decisions by the Supreme Court is that conservatives, people on the right, constitutionalists have been on the defensive in, uh, you know, at the Supreme Court and, and elsewhere for decades. And now on this EPA on the EPA thing and on guns now, and on lots of decisions, because this court has um, decided to be the originalist court that we thought we would have for the last couple of decades with so many Republican presidents, it's now the environmental left, the eco-left nutjobs who are going to, be on the defense, going to be on the defense in a lot of these court cases, because this is establishing just in the EPA law that you know you don't have the authority to regulate like that anymore. So, so now they are on the defensive posture from a legal perspective, much more so than they've ever really experienced, I think, in the last 30 years.
2: Am yeah, I wrong did, on that, Steve? Did, d- d-
4: yeah, let me just you know. Uh, earlier, someone said that you know we're we're locked into this Roberts Court or the Trump Court, you know, for the for decades to come. I just want to point out that you know they arrested someone trying to kill Kavanaugh. Clarence Thomas is. Uh, I understand he's in good health, but he's still up there. Uh, Alito is up there as well. These guys, you know, you never know what's going to happen. This fall we have an election, and hopefully Republicans will take over Congress. And I don't mean to—I'm not crapping on anybody's 501c3 by saying this, but it's just reality. Uh, Republicans may take over Congress, uh, but they may not take over the Senate. I mean, that's going to be a close race. That's going to be—it's going to be close. Just uh, there's going to be a handful of states, and you know we still not have resolved the issues from 2020, and if 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 the Senate goes or remains Democrat and conservative justices start to fall off the court for whatever reason, you know, then it's not the Trump court for the next 30 years. So you know, it's important to get this stuff right and get it right the first time because you don't know what the future holds.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, I am curious about what's going to happen with the Supreme Court now. Uh, you know, usually they say like, oh, yeah, it was a one-two punch. Well, in this case, it was a one-two-three-four-five <laughs> punch because uh, it's just been one thing after another which is it was enough to make, you know, most conservatives happy for one issue or another. But it's certainly enough to make the left go into a collective meltdown, uh, which is what we've been seeing over the past couple of weeks here. Maxine Waters and others encouraging, defying the decisions of the Supreme Court. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot and others blasting uh, Justice Clarence Thomas, as as, uh, you just mentioned there, too, Steve, using very foul language, I might add. And AOC and many, many others suggesting the idea of packing the Supreme Court and how that should be considered. So, Chris, uh, I know you've seen a lot of anti SCOTUS rhetoric lately. Are there any other big names that I missed of of people that are kind of trying to lay waste, saying that it's discredited, et cetera, et cetera?
2: Oh, geez. I mean, it's it's literally across the board. It's, you know, all the talking heads on CNN, all the political pundits on MSNBC. ABC NBC CBS i mean the, you know the, the way that they uh uh talked about the uh everything from the gun uh decision to the abortion decision to you know even the EPA decision they're you know acting like it's you know the apocalypse is upon us but donnie uh w- one of the differences is that uh when the supreme court uh, a few years ago ruled that uh gay marriage was now just going to be legalized across the country i vividly remember that there was a uh a woman in Kentucky who was responsible for granting uh, marriage, you know, like licenses or, you know, what have you. She said, strictly based on my uh, religious, you know, uh, beliefs, I, you know, don't want to do this. She was prosecuted for that. Mm, right. So I, I, you know, I, I just wonder if the left is going to say, hey, wait a second. You know, a few years ago when the Supreme Court was deciding things in, in the way that we liked, you know, we we said, hey, you must abide by it. However, when the shoe's on the other foot and the Supreme Court is, you know, uh, ruling the way that we don't like it, well, now we can just say, you know, we, we can ignore the Supreme Court. So it's it's total hypocrisy.
0: Well, the left will definitely be, you know, held up to the same standard as the right. I mean, that yeah. was... Uh... Happens all the time. Well, it's, and it's just by the means. It's, it's, it, it's, it's the it's, joke it's, of the it's, episode, it's the, folks. And
2: it's just by the means. And, Danny, you're right. You know, there are... There are already a lot of calls for uh, expanding the court, you know, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, all of them. So, you know, I I, I doubt that it's going to happen, even though, you know, Biden is saying that he's open to it now. But, uh, you know, it just it just goes to show how desperate they are, well, how it, frustrated they are with the fact that they don't have complete control over all three branches of government the way that they want to.
3: Yeah, a, a I would say of, that the left is not uh, engaging in hypocrisy by their own right lights. They are all about results. So whatever happens, we just got to get our results. So they're always right. There's no hypocrisy there. They're just doing what it takes to get the results. The right right could learn from that.
0: Yeah, the game is called I Win. and uh, (laughs) You lose. uh, You lose, right. AOC was on the late night show with Stephen Colbert, which is just painfully unfunny where she uh, gave a very muddled and factually incorrect history lesson about the Supreme Court. And she also talked about the three branches of government, the executive, legislative, and judicial branches, and how they're co-equals and how they're supposed to keep others in check when uh, you know one branch is overstepping its authority. And then she says that the Supreme Court was overstepping its authority with some of these recent decisions. And uh, she said that it delegitimized itself. And I'm just thinking, well, you know, maybe it's like a checks and balances type of thing. Uh, Congress and the executive branch could, I don't know, pass a law. <laughs> like, I just don't understand the disconnect of why this like doesn't get driven home with these, uh, you know, liberal types like AOC. And I would play the clip of her talking here because she did say, and I quote, uh, I believe that President Biden should entertain expansion of the Supreme Court. She said this on, you know, national TV. Like I said, I would play the clip, but one, YouTube would probably hit us with a copyright strike and take our video down. And two, <laughs> no one really wants to hear her talk anyways. So just take my paraphrasing for uh, for, you know, for the sake of uh, not having to play her. So granted, The context of her saying this was that it should be like a threat intending to make the court not go as far in terms of overstepping their authority. But there are many, many others, many influential people, many people in positions of power that don't think it should be a threat and that Biden should, in fact, pack the court. So, uh, Jim, let's let's go with you. How terrible of an idea would this be?
1: Oh, it'd be a terrible idea. In fact, uh, before we came on the air for uh, for this podcast, Sam and I were discussing that very thing—the idea, to, the threat to uh, pack the court. It's like, oh, okay. Well, uh, you want to put four more Supreme Court justices on the court, Joe Biden? Fine. Next time a Republican president comes into power, he'll put fifteen more on. We'll <laughs> end up with a Supreme Court with you know 127. Maybe they'll even outnumber the House of Representatives at that rate. You know, it's like you know a lot of people could play that game. Uh, you know, I, I don't think this is not this is not George H.W. Bush's Republican Party anymore. You know, I said it at the beginning the left seems to think that putting the word MAGA or ultra MAGA in front of everything uh, makes is an insult or that makes people angry or or people don't like that. Um, Again, MAGA stands for make America great again. Um, This is a MAGA Republican Party. This is a MAGA uh, right wing, you know, conservative movement in this country now. And uh, they, they're going to play for keeps now, too. After 30 years of defeats on almost every level, um, yeah. you know, they now know the, the, the new rules of the game and they're going to play by them. So uh, I, I think this threat is actually pretty um, it's empty. But I don't think Biden is going to do that. Uh, I don't think actually the uh, he has enough Democrats in Congress who would approve any of these. I could see Manchin for one, after this great victory for his home state of West Virginia, uh, deciding not to actually vote with the Democrats to put another uh, justice on the Supreme Court, even just one, let alone another five or six or whatever fantasy the left has on this kind of deal. But look, the left, we, we talked about this. That Andy had this tweet up a second ago where uh, AOC said, catastrophic, a filibuster carve-out is not enough. We need to reform or do away with the whole thing for the sake of the planet. Now, I because she's not that bright, it's hard to determine whether when she says do away with the whole thing, she means the Supreme Court or she means the Senate. You know, who knows? Because she's she's not that bright. But uh, either one, uh, th- this is the way the left operates. Again, we, we talk about this on this spot all the time. And you just mentioned it, Donnie. It's like, gosh, learn how to take the L, guys. You know, you don't always get your way. sometimes you have to actually fight for your your principles and you have to fight and keep fighting and actually get actual laws passed and stuff. People on the right have known how to deal with an L for our entire lives. Um, And that's why- Yeah, that's why we're losers, Jim. Yeah, well- (laughs) That's why we've been
3: losers. That's why days
1: like today are so sweet. That's why it's so, it's so much sweeter today.
0: One of the first Trump campaign promises was that we we're going to win so much that we we're going to get sick of winning. And uh, I'm starting to get <laughs> sick of it, folks. I'm starting to get this is usually have a dour tone on this podcast. And Jim's ranting because of uh, not out of excitement because of out of anger and, and righteous anger most of the time. So. Uh, so, yeah, Trump. Uh, Trump was right. Just took a few more years than we thought it would. Um Sam what would it actually take for them to expand the Supreme court? I don't suspect this would need some type of constitutional
3: amendment or anything. Would it just be an act of Congress? Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And, and Congress has the authority. Uh, The other thing that Congress can do is they can take things out of the hands of the Supreme court. They could have done it on, on uh, Roe v. Wade uh, since 1972 and they never did it. So, that ought, to, that ought to help you understand what the likelihood of Congress acting on this is. Mm. Uh, I think the fact that Joe Manchin is from West Virginia and this, uh, this last case was, a, was brought by West Virginia should tell you a lot. It's hard to get things through there. Well, that's good. We shouldn't have the federal government doing everything. We shouldn't have the federal government with their hands in, in everybody's business all the time. And that's how our system was made to be so that the various uh, powers, the various branches of government would veto one another's bad ideas. And that's what's happened here. Now, the problem we have today is that we've had a, uh, almost a century of, of living in the opposite world, in the bizarro world, in which... Uh, the government could do everything. So now we have to sweep away these things. How do you do that? It's like, as Steve said, uh, you bring lawsuits. You also have to get power in Congress. And you also have to get the the executive branch. You have to get the Supreme Court, as we've done. And then you have to act. You can't just sit around and say, okay, uh, we we want to be loved by the New York Times. They don't want this. We're not having it. No, you have to say, I don't care. I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to do what is, what is uh, responsive, responsive to the oath I took when I took office. When people start doing that, then we will, we will roll back all of these awful things that have happened for a full century. And they're awful because they were wrong to do. You don't, you don't have the right to do it. They're, they're, as, uh, as AOC says, but it's for the planet. Well, too bad. You don't get to decide things around here.
0: Right. I think Thanos did his Thanos snap for the sake of the planet, too. Uh, Steve, la- last question I want to ask uh, all of you. Uh, I'll go with you first, though, is just predictions in, in regards to the Supreme Court stuff. Like, is there actually going to be a push to, to expand the Supreme Court? Or is this just, you know, uh, a week of dealing with people like AOC, you know, waving their fist at the clouds? Uh, what do you think is going to actually happen?
4: Well, it depends on what happens with the Supreme Court. If if the court maintains its current makeup, <clears throat> these people are going to continually be unhappy and continually, you know, agitate for changing the court and changing our system. I mean, you know, it's they they want system change, not climate change. System change, hmm. and you know, it would behoove us all to take them at their word. I mean, they've been working on this for a hundred years. Um, these people are not liberals or just leftists or socialists. These people are communists. They've been capturing our institutions. Now for 100 years, they have not captured the Supreme Court. They had it for a while, but they don't have it now. Um, and we have too many politicians that just don't get it. They think that these things are actually legitimate disagreements, and they're not. This is part of a long-term plan. It's called progressivism, which is a code name for communism, to you know take over our country and control our lives. And uh, all you got to do is to just... I'm not I'm not raving. I mean that is the reality. Look at everything they want to do.
0: Sure. You, sure. Find, me,
4: you find me something that is increasing personal freedom. Just one thing. There's nothing.
0: Right, right. Jim, uh, same question to you. Um, I mean I could I could see and if I want to be pessimistic about this, I could see a kind of a young liberal alternative to Biden running for president in a couple of years that this is like their main policy platform. <laughs> We got to expand the Supreme Court to make it more representative of the of the nation. What do you think?
1: Not going to happen. There's nine Supreme Court justices now. There will be nine Supreme Court justices two years from now. There will be nine Supreme Court justices ten years from now. Um, and what I actually would like to see is is now that we basically have a little bit of wind at our back and by us and by our, I mean, constitutionalists, people who believe in limited government and that not giving, uh, you know, basically unlimited power to an unelected bureaucracy in Washington, D.C. Now's the time to go on offense. Now's the time to go on. You know, if it's going to be lawfare, let's have it. Let's let's have some uh, let's have some more cases to put in front of the Supreme Court that expand our liberty and decrease the size and power of government. I'd love to see uh, 10 decisions like this every single year. And we might maybe we'll get it if we get enough lawsuits out there.
0: All right. And uh, Chris, I'll let you have the last word on this because we are pretty much out of time. Do you concur with the seeming consensus that uh, this is all just a bunch of angry AOCs shouting at the
2: clouds and (laughs) we're not going to actually see an expansion of the court? I do, because uh, the Biden uh, administration has been such a complete and utter disaster. I cannot foresee uh, the point. American the American people electing a uh, Senate that's made up of sixty Democrats, which is once again what you would need to pass a law to uh, pack the Supreme Court. Okay. I just cannot see that happening in the in you know the near uh, or medium term future. All so right, I, think, yeah. I think we're safe.
0: No, no, uh, you're right. This would be a totally uh, a change of pace if the Biden administration was able to do anything. But, but, Donnie, all. can I can I add one quick
2: caveat to that? One real okay. quick. Okay uh you know let, i would not put it past them to uh to uh, invent another pandemic and then have us uh you know vote by mail and all those shenanigans again so
0: you never know now now our podcast just got destroyed and our I'm channel sorry. is ruined and everything like that all right thank you all for tuning into this episode of the in the tank podcast uh please join our show every thursday if you want the live show every thursday at noon central time you can join the conversation put your comments and questions in the live chat there maybe we'll show your comments on the screen or address your questions on the fly if you'd like you can follow us on twitter at in the tank pod if you have any comments questions or suggestions for the show feel free to email us at in the tank podcast at gmail.com jim Lakely, where can the fine people find you
1: at jay Lakely on twitter at heartland inst on twitter and always visit
3: heartland.org Sam Karnick, where can people go to
0: see your work?
3: Thanks, Donnie. At ST Karnick on Twitter and all those other uh, realms and heartlanddailynews.com.
0: Fantastic. Chris, what do you have to pitch today?
2: Stoppingsocialism.com. And just want to say happy Independence Day to all That's... of our listeners and viewers. July 4th, 1776 was a monumental day. Right. It should
0: be celebrated. That's right. It's Independence Day, not Fourth of July. Steve Malloy, where can people go to see your work? Okay, you
4: can get me at drugscience.com and on Twitter at drugscience.
0: Fantastic. All right, thank you all for tuning in. We will talk to you next week.